Philippians chapter 3. Got to make sure everything's on. Philippians chapter 3. You know you're getting old when you spend a weekend playing ping pong and it felt like you spend the weekend playing football. And that's how I feel right now. Had a great time. Me and Tyler were able to go down to the men's conference this week in Tennessee. It was a, an enjoyable time, a great time, uh, a challenging time, encouraging time nonetheless. But yeah, I feel this morning uh, my shoulders and my back and everything, and I didn't really do anything that strenuous, but yet I still ache all over uh, nonetheless. But uh, it really was a help. I hope that next year more men will be able to go with us, and I uh, hope ladies will be able to go to ladies retreat next year also, and uh, it's a great opportunity uh, to be helped. I, I know I truly was uh, by the preaching this week. Philippians chapter 3, let's look at the uh, uh, several verses here, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but... What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We're going to look at these verses this morning and ask the Lord to teach us something from it. Lord, we thank you for letting us come. We thank you for your word. And God, there is so much uh, within the Bible that we can learn on every single page. And God, today I pray that you would help us to indeed learn God, I pray that you would use me uh, to present your message today. God, help me to do it clearly and help me to do it correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come here into Philippians chapter 3 as we're continuing through the letter to the church of Philippi. And we see, uh, I think, three things here. I'm sure there's much more than that in this. But nonetheless, we're going to look at three things this morning. Let's start off with number one, helpful teachings. Number one, helpful teachings here in this letter he starts off chapter 3 here by saying finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord and I don't know about you I'm not a grammar or English major but at the end of that is a period that's the sentence that's the thought finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord he's going to go on to other things here in a moment but he reminds us to rejoice we looked at this uh, uh, in detail more so here recently and other verses and things about a Wednesday night we spent time looking in Psalm about the importance of praising the Lord in all times and in all things. Rejoice in the Lord. That's the, the reminder to start off with. That's helpful. Then he goes on and he says, to write the same things to you, meaning repeating thoughts again, 
He says, to me indeed is not grievous, it's not burdensome, it's not uh, hard, it's not something that I just kind of float over. He says, but to you it is safe. It is helpful, it's a good reminder, it's a, it's a way for us to make sure that we're learning by hearing the repeating thing. I talked about recently when you're preaching through books of the Bible, oftentimes you're kind of hitting the same topic over and over again. In Jeremiah, it's the same topic over and over and over again. There's other things sprinkled in as well. Uh, and so sometimes you feel like, boy, when's he going to get off of this topic? And uh, there are times and many times where repetition is helpful in learning. Uh, the curriculum that I grew up learning that my kids are currently going through in school is a curriculum of repetition. It's the way they like to teach. They say, we're just going to keep going over it and over it and over it and over it, and before long, you're finally going to get it. Now, for me, it took several years, uh, but nonetheless, I got most of it, at least enough of it to move on to the next grade and, uh, and survive moving forward. I mean, look at here. I'm the pastor of the church. Now, granted, none of you were here when I became the pastor of the church, but uh, nonetheless, my wife voted me in unanimously, and it all worked out just fine. Uh, but we're learning and growing through repetition. And so Paul here is saying, you're going to hear some things that I've already told you, but he says, don't worry, I don't feel like it's a burden to me, and it is safe for you because you're going to learn through this repetition. Then he goes on, and he says a few beware ofs. He says, beware of dogs. Now, he's not talking about the four-legged dog, okay? He's not talking about uh, being aware of pit bulls or beware of poodles or beware of chihuahuas. He is saying, beware of false teachers, those who are coming along and teaching falsely. In this day, when he's writing this, there were dogs that would wander the street. They did not have a home. They did not have an owner. They did not have a master. They were just homeless or stray dogs. And they would wander around, and they were dangerous because of what they fed on. They would feed on dead corpses. They would just take anything they could, scraps of any kind, and they would feed off of those things. If you look in 1 Kings, we won't today, but if you look in 1 Kings, you'll see multiple mentions through, I think it's chapter 14, 15, 16, and a little later in 1 Kings, about these dogs. And they would just wander around, and the, the key here is no master. They would walk around, they had no, no one that they had in authority to them, and they would just do whatever they wanted. So when he's talking about the false teachers, he's saying, beware of these dogs that wander around with no master. These teachers that wander around with no master. I heard it again this weekend, and I've told it to you before as well, that I've always been taught uh, preaching uh, has three things, authority, persuasion, and teaching. And authority is the most important one that preachers have. It's not authority because I'm a pastor. It's authority because of Scripture. The authority that we have is the Bible. If we don't preach with authority, we're not going to help anyone. If we preach using the Bible, which is our authority, we can help everyone. And so uh, a, a preacher who goes around with no authority, with no master, you need to beware of someone like that. Beware of the dogs. He says, beware of evil uh, doers, evil workers. Uh, again, going into false teachers and things of that nature. Specifically, I believe here he's talking about Jewish teachers with wrong doctrine and with wrong influence. Uh, I think, and I didn't have a great amount of time looking into this, but I believe specifically at this time, many of the Jewish leaders were, were teaching, as we see in the Pharisees do this, about the importance of works. And if you don't do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this, then, then you can't attain heaven. 
Well, the Bible teaches the exact opposite of that. It has nothing to do with works. As a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. It has to do with God's grace and me placing my faith in God's grace. And for me, recognizing I'm a sinner, I deserve hell, but yet God sent his son as a gift for me. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Yet at this time, the teachers were teaching, you had to do this on this day. You had to do this in this way. And if you don't do these things, then you cannot be saved. And so he says, beware of these evil workers, beware of these dogs, and beware of concision. The concision literally means a cutting off or a mutilation. Now, you don't have to tell me to not be a part of a religion that tells me to cut off things, <laughs> all right? Uh, I'm not going to mutilate myself for anyone. But here, in, and I think more specifically because of the context of the Scripture and, and what we see next, even talking about uh, um, uh, circumcision and how they viewed it as an important part of salvation, the ritualistic, the tradition, the, uh, the need to be a Jew and to do Jewish practices to be saved. And Paul here is saying, beware of these things. Beware of the false teachers with no master. Beware of the Jewish teachers teaching wrong doctrine. And beware of even uh, the, the action that you, have, you believe to be necessary for salvation. In verse 3 he says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. He was a Jew. And rejoice uh, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He says we're doing right in what we are doing, but beware of the false teachings because they are in your area, they are in your community, and they might even be creeping into your church. He says beware of these things. These are helpful teachings that we're seeing here in Philippians chapter 3. Rejoice in the Lord. And then for your safety, we're going to go through some, some repetition of things that he's already warned them about. Beware of these things. Beware of the false teachers, the dogs, the evil workers, and even the actions. Number two, number one is a helpful teaching or helpful teachings. Number two is a heart-led example. A heart-led example. Here Paul says, look at me as an example of where salvation comes from. That salvation comes from God and not from works. That only through God he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father except by him, Jesus Christ. You're not going to get there on your own. And he says, look at me because uh, uh, I am, uh, kind of fit the bill with all the things that these false teachers are, are teaching about. Um, he says in verse number 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he uh, hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He says, anybody that says, I've done enough to get to heaven. He says, I can say it more. I've done more than them. Look in verse 5. Uh, I circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm an Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, a Pharisee. And he says in verse number uh, 6, concerning zeal, I'm zealous, uh, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the, in the law, blameless. Paul says, I am everything that they are telling you you need to be i am that i'm a jew i was born an israelite i was raised religious i was educated i followed the law i promoted religion i was zealous he says if anybody can say they've done 
uh, uh, everything within the line of the law, I have done those things. But, he says in verse number 7, but what things were gained to me when I was living that pharisaical lifestyle, following the law, uh, doing everything according to that, that version of the law, he says, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He says, all those things that I did, the fact that I was circumcised on the eighth day, that I am a Jew, that I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, that I'm educated as a Pharisee, that I was religious all growing up, that I followed the laws of the Pharisees, that I promoted that religion and those actions, and I was as zealous as anyone out there. He says, now I count all those things for loss. He says, not only do I consider it trash, I consider it dung. All those things that I did, all those actions, that lifestyle that I lived, the religion that I pushed and that I promoted and that I followed, he says, it's all for loss. Now, all that interest I had in religion, I now have that interest in Christ. Now, everything that I do is not to please the Pharisees or to please the law. It's to please God Almighty and Him alone. You think about Paul. He was uh, the one that was out uh, persecuting the church. He was arresting Christians. And from what I can tell from that time, he was beating Christians. I'm sure there were Christians that were killed. He was there when Stephen was stoned. Uh, he was there when I'm sure many Christians were beaten and killed because they were Christians. Because they didn't follow the law of the Pharisees. Because they didn't follow the law of the tradition of that time. Paul says, again, I was as zealous as anyone. You've met good going church people before that I guarantee you won't see in heaven. I, I would assume at least, I've been in church all my life, so I'm, I'm pretty positive that there are people that I would assume were saved, that I would assume that accepted Christ as their Savior that, that I won't see in heaven. Because although they lived a zealous and religious life, they didn't live a life that had been saved by Jesus Christ. They never had a moment in their life where they came to the realization, I am a sinner. And no matter how good I am on this earth, I still deserve hell. And until I place my faith in Christ, until I come to the realization that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and I put my faith and trust in Him, and I repent of my sins, and I, and, and I give my life to Christ. There's so many different terms, and, and, and they are just terms, but I give my life to Christ, and I allow God to lead my life. It's all for nothing. It's all for loss. Going to church, although you're supposed to because God tells you to, it doesn't get you to heaven. Tithing doesn't get you to heaven. Being nice to people doesn't get you to heaven. All those things are things God tells us to do, but not for the purpose of heaven. It's actually as a result of salvation that we do these things. It's because I am a child of the king that I go to church. It's because God is my savior that I'm kind to people, that I love people. 
because I uh, am saved that I pray for our leaders. It's because I am a Christian that I give as God tells me to give. It's because I am uh, uh, of God that the things in my life I set up to the standards that God desires for me to set. I don't do that before I'm a Christian because I'm living for myself. Now I am living for God. And Paul says, I've done all those things and I've lived according to the law, but all of that's for nothing. All of it I count for loss now because all I care about now, as much as I was invested and interested in all of that, now I am invested and interested only in God Almighty that I may know Christ. He says in verse 8 that I may win Christ. And we'll look at that more in just a moment. You see... We have to take um, the example of Paul. He was telling the church of Philippi, this is what I was and this is what I am. I can be an example to you. That doesn't mean that they should live their life and compare it to Paul's. We should only compare our life to where God desires for us to be. When we start comparing ourselves to other people, it won't be long before we start idolizing those people. And so we sit there and we go, okay, I need an example. Because I don't know about you, I'm a visual learner. It's good for me to see. It's good for me to do it in order for me to learn it. I can look at the instructions, I can read the words, and maybe do okay, but if I can see a picture and see this goes here, I got that. That's easy enough. If I can get my hands on it and do it, I'm okay. In most cases, when I'm driving, if it's in the daylight, if I go there once, I can get there a second time. In most cases problem is when you drive there in the day then you come home at night <laughs> I have no idea what's going on but anyways uh, I'm a visual learner I need to see and Paul says you can see me you've seen the life that I lived and how I lived it and you've seen the the dedication that I had and you've seen the uh, strict strictness of my life and what it was and following the law of the Pharisees the law of the Jews now you can see how I live according to the law of God everything that I did. There will be people who will say, Paul was a great Pharisee. Paul says, that doesn't matter. I don't even want to talk about that. I count that as loss. I count it as dung, as a pile of poo. It doesn't matter. Follow my example. Give up that stuff and just live the way that God wants you to live. Do the things that God wants you to do. Quit trying to be and meet up to religion. I'm telling you, and listen, church is religious. I get it. We are religious, I understand that, but so many in the world today associate religion with heaven, and that's not the way it works. They say, if I am religious, I met someone one time out door knocking in Indiana, knocked on a door, and I had another guy with me, and they opened the door, and I introduced myself as the pastor of the church in town, and, and I said, we're just out sharing with people in, your, in the community here how they can know that they're going to heaven. Would you have a few minutes where we could talk with you about that? And their response was, no, we're practicing Catholics. <laughs> and I was young and immature at the time, and I said <laughs> to, my, to the worker with me, not to them, um, where do we find the non-practicing Catholics, the ones that don't do it? And Because uh, everyone's a practicing Catholic, it seems like that we meet, and I want to find the ones that don't. I, mean, I don't practice Christianity, uh, we just know we're Christian. Uh, and I understand what they're saying with it all and everything, but you see that's a religious thing. Well, I'm a practicing Catholic, so I'm okay. Well, I am this religion or that religion, so I'm okay. Well, the Bible teaches us religion has nothing to do with it. It's just Jesus Christ and him alone. 
And what we've fallen into, even in, in, in our world, we've fallen into this mentality of, as long as I'm religious, God will be happy with me. Well, God says, no, I want you to be a servant. I want you to be obedient. I want you to do the things that don't look religious, but that are God-honoring and God-pleasing. There's so much more to the Christian life than the religious things that you think of. Because if in your home you're doing things that are ungodly, your religious action will mean nothing to God. You've heard it before. You can't come to Sunday uh, church and think that the rest of the week you can live however you want because you came to church on Sunday. God doesn't, God isn't just a once or twice a week God. He's a God every single day of the week. And so how you live your life, not just your, your religious life, but how you live your entire life, God is interested in. And God gives instruction to. And Paul here, because he loves the church of Philippi, he gives a heart-led example. This is what I was, this is what I am, this is what you should be as well. Helpful teachings, heart-led example, and then number three, a holy separation. Now when we talk about separation, we always talk about what we should separate from. Today it's simply on what we should separate to. A holy separation. He says there in verse number eight at the end of the verse, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, that righteousness which is of God by faith. He says to win Christ. You've heard the verse, I press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling. A lot of racing examples are used for us. Uh, throughout the epistles. He's basically saying, I need to be obedient for a purpose. I need to be obedient for a purpose to win Christ. It's not to attain as far as salvation goes, but to be seen by Christ as a servant, as an obedient child to win Christ, that I may know Him uh, verse 9, I'm sorry, and be found in him. Not, not in my own righteousness. When I was religious, when I was a Pharisee, I was living my life to be associated as a Pharisee, to be identified as a Pharisee, to be uh, um, uh, found in my righteousness. I did this, I did that. I followed this law, I followed this law, I prayed this prayer, I took this food, I did this, I did that. You see the problem with all the eyes in that? He says, I want to be found in Christ, not in my own righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness. I want my identity to be through God and His perfectness, not through me and my perfectness. A holy separation, a separation to God, that I may be found in Him, not in myself. Verse 10, he says that I may know Him. Verse 8, I may win him. Verse 9, I be found in him. Verse 10, that I may know him, that I may have the knowledge, that I may understand who God is. We talk about this point a lot in this church because when we know who God is, we are going to follow him more faithfully. 
I'm a sports fan. I love sports, and, and uh, so I'll use this example. When a team gets a new coach, it usually takes a little bit of time, uh, professionals especially, takes a little bit of time for them to trust and follow what the coach is saying. Why? Because they don't know him. They don't know what he cares about. They don't know if he cares about the same thing they care about. They don't know his uh, schemes. That sounds like a bad word, but his, his schemes is, is the X's and O's, and, and they're trying to figure out if it's going to work, if it's not going to work. They're trying to figure out what his past was, where he coached at before, what, he, what experience does he have. It's just not a naturally, okay, we're just going to trust him and do whatever he says and everything will be fine. It's a skeptical look at the new coach. Because they say, we have to know him first. If you get a new boss, your first thing, if you don't know that person, you're not just going to automatically go, that's a great person. And whatever they say, I'm just going to do blindly, and it's just going to be great, and everything's going to be wonderful. No, you're usually going to try to figure out where they come from. What qualifications do they have to be my boss? What do they know? Are they willing to learn? All these kinds of things, trying to figure out before you follow them fully, you'd like to know them, know about them. You see, Paul says, I now live my life that I may know Christ. Paul is following God, and he's obeying God, and he's going through some, some major difficulties in his life because of it. Well, why does he stay faithful to that? Even imprisoned, even beaten, uh, even uh, shipwrecked, even all these things, why does Paul go, yeah, it's still worth it to keep going? It's because he knew Christ. He had a holy separation. He separated from religion to Christ. He separated from himself to Christ. For the purpose that he would win Christ and be found in him and know him and then that he would be conformed to Christ's example. He says in verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He shows great devotion here by saying, I want to be conformed to Christ's example, even being faithful to death as Jesus was faithful to death. Jesus, when he died on the cross, knew that three days later he would be resurrected. Paul understands that when he dies on this earth, there is a day that he will be resurrected as well. He says in verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. The Bible teaches us that there's coming a day, we call it the rapture, that Jesus Christ will come for his children. And that those who are alive and remain will meet those in the air, the Lord in the air. There will be a resurrection of the dead. See, Paul said, when my life on this earth is over, it doesn't mean that I'm done. And so I'm going to live my life conforming to the example of Jesus Christ, being faithful even unto his death. There are times where you sit there and you go, God, I don't want to die. I'm too young to die. 
So I'm going to be faithful, but if it ever comes to the point where someone puts a gun to my head and says, you have to choose between God or living, what are you going to say? Many of you probably remember Columbine. And there was a story that went out very shortly after the, the horrific events at Columbine of a young girl, a teenage girl in school, who was given that option. She didn't deny Christ. Why? Because I'm going to be faithful, even to death. The likelihood of you and I having a gun point to our heads and saying, choose, are you going to continue to trust Christ? Are you going to continue to proclaim Christ? If you say yes, then I'm going to shoot you. If you say no, then you can live. The, the chances of that happening are slim. But the question is, is are you willing to follow and conform to the example of Jesus Christ and be faithful even to his death? You see, Paul is a great example for us, but he's not as good an example as Jesus. And Paul says, and he's, and he's telling them, you can follow me, I'm an example. You've seen what I've done, and you've seen where I'm at now, and how God has helped me. But at the end of the day, he says, you need to separate yourselves to God. You need to separate yourselves to Christ and conform to his example. You ought to be living your life that you may win Christ. That you may be found in him. That you may know Christ. Because I'm telling you, when you know who Christ is, it'll be easier to obey. It just will be. I, it's easier for me to obey my parents than it is for me to obey anyone else because I know them very, very well. I was going to tell another story, but I think I'm going, to, I'm going to pass on that one. The point is very simple. We, in this 11 verses, we have helpful teachings. Beware of the dogs. There are still false teachers out there. So-called preachers proclaiming a message that have no master. Beware of them. Beware of evil workers, those teaching wrong doctrine. Beware of actions, religious action. Follow an example. Be an example. Take all your interest that you once had in other things and place it all in Christ. Understand that the things in this world, the things you're trying to attain in this world, they are for nothing. Place those things now on Jesus Christ. Have a holy separation separate to Christ, press toward that mark. I don't like to run. You're not going to see me running a race. I played a little basketball this weekend, and they said, you want to play? I said, sure, just so you know, I'm not going to run, and I'm not going to play defense. And they said, okay. And I did not run, and I did not play defense. Someone made fun of me, and I said, hey, I told them before we started I wasn't going to run, and I wasn't going to play defense. I didn't. But I'll tell you this, in my spiritual life, I better be running. I better be running the race. I better be pressing towards the mark. I better be obedient on purpose. Be found in Christ and his righteousness, not in your. Don't depend on your own goodness. Depend on God's goodness, God's righteousness, God's perfection. Seek to know Christ, to know who he is, and conform to the example that Christ has given you. Understand and make the decision God, no matter what, I'm going to be faithful. 
no matter what that means, no matter what the result is, I am going to be faithful. You think of Jonah, and uh, Jonah was, was told to go to Nineveh, and he said no, and he ran from God. He got swallowed up by a large fish, we assume a whale. He got uh, right with God in the belly of the fish. The fish spew him out. He went to Nineveh and he preached a, a dynamic message. God spoke through Jonah and the people of Nineveh repented of their evilness, their wickedness. And God spared Nineveh and Jonah sat depressed because God saved him. Is that faithful to the end? I'd say no. You look at the disciples of Jesus Christ, most of whom were killed because of their faithfulness to God. And you see examples throughout Scripture of those who said, no matter the result, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to follow the example that Christ gave me to the end. I'm going to be faithful. But it's a decision that we have to make. And if you haven't made that decision today, I hope that you will. I hope that you'll separate to Christ and that you'll center your life around Jesus and whatever he has for you. We made it this far without talking about politics, and so I'll throw it in at the very end. I think you know my heart on this. No politician, local or national, controls what God does. We have to understand our conformity is not to a party. It's not to political views. Our conformity ought to be to Christ. I may be a registered whatever in the state of Kentucky, but honestly, it just doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm a child of Jesus Christ, and I should conform to him and his ways and only be concerned with that. I know that I've done right. I know that I voted the way that God wanted me to vote. I know that God is pleased with my actions. And so because of that, the results don't matter. What matters is that I followed God's leading in my life. And what matters is that today I do the same. And that tomorrow I do the same. And that the next day I do the same. And no matter what being faithful to God brings me, I ought to just keep on being faithful. Lord, help us. We desperately need it. God, I'm thankful that your word is full of helpful teachings. God, I pray that you would help us as today we have access to preachers upon preachers upon preachers. God, help us to beware of the dogs and the evil workers. God, help us to beware of the religious action. We would not fall into a religious life, but, Lord, that we would live a godly life. God, I pray that you would help us to not be dependent on our own righteousness, our own actions, but, God, that we would put all of our trust and dependence and all of our time and energy into you. God, I pray that we would have a separation to you, that we can be found in you, that we can know you better, and, Lord, that we would be confirmed that we would be conformed to your example. 
God, I pray that you'd help us today, that if you've spoken to our hearts, that you've, you've convicted us of anything in our life that needs to change, God, that you'd help us to do that. God, if there's someone here today that would say, you know, I've, I've lived a good life, I'm doing okay, but I'm not conformed completely to Christ's example. God, would you help us to put our full dependence on you, Lord, that we would follow you fully. I pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand with me, please? The piano is playing. If God's spoken to you about something today, would you take a moment to pray and handle it between you and God? Lord, we do thank you for what you do for us. And as you're just playing the song, I surrender all. Lord, I pray that we would truly give all to you. Lord, our life, the things that we do within our life, our families, Lord, our nation. God, can we just surrender it to you? Lord, help us to be what we ought to be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, quick reminder, we've got the love offering to do. Oh, you can be seated. Glad I reminded you because I forgot. Uh, let's have some ushers come forward, please, uh, if you would. Uh, let's sing 240, Lily of the Valley. Uh, everything that comes in in this one, you got an empty, okay, good. Uh, everything that comes in in this offering goes to the Tolsons, the church, uh, towards the church in Taiwan to help them purchase property and building. Um, if you're writing a check, you can write it to the church, Bible Pathway Baptist Church. We will send one gift uh, to them as well uh, from, uh, from here. And if you have any questions, just ask afterwards, all right? You guys go ahead and pass the plate. The Lily of the Valley, I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. <clears throat> 
my soul. Good. Anybody that listens to the podcast version of the service, that's on there. So you can hear my version of Lily of the Valley if you want to listen back to it. All right. Thank you for being with us today. We'll break for lunch and I'll be back at one o'clock this afternoon. Short business meeting in the one o'clock service as well. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.